Welcome to the Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. Todd has over 35 years of experience working with thousands of couples as a licensed therapist in his private practice. Todd shares his insights on this show. It's never too early to divorce-proof your marriage or too late to heal yourselves and have the relationship you truly want. Hi, everybody. This is Todd Krieger, and I'll be talking to you today about the most important theory about trauma you may have never heard of. I do a lot of work with trauma. Many of you know I work a lot with couples, but I also do a lot of work with trauma. And I have, um, I'm also a professor and I teach at USC and I, I teach a theory class. And one of the theories I teach is called polyvagal theory. And I want to talk to you about polyvagal theory, not just to give you some information, but so maybe you or someone you know, you could, you know, you could relate to that in terms of some of the information I'm about to give you. Polyvagal theory, which has been shown uh, as truth neurobiologically, has really been a relatively new theory conceived by a man named Dr. Stephen Porges. And there's two things I want to talk to you about. One is neuroception, and the other is the three ways people deal with threat. Now, neuroception, I know it's a big word, but it's a good word, and it describes the body, how the body scans our environment for cues of safety or danger. It's constantly ticking below our subconscious. And you may be aware of the physiological responses it can cause, right? If you're threatened, you might actually have uh, feelings of anxiety, uh, uh, the heart speeds up and all that. But it is aware of danger below our conscious level. And that's there for survival. Now, when it comes to trauma, trauma is, a, is something that happens to us where it's not just a typical negative experience. It's traumatic in the case that it's pretty overwhelming for our nervous system. If we can't metabolize it well, manage it, it can develop into post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, I think the, the numbers are 85% of the time that people have trauma, they don't get PTSD. So they're able to metabolize it, but sometimes we can't, and then it kind of stays with us and lingers. And that's why someone like myself does a trauma treatment such as EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, and help people process it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the trauma treatment that I use, EMDR, in relationship to polyvagal theory. Let me tell you about polyvagal theory. It's fascinating. You might find it very useful. And people start to ease up on themselves when they learn about this. How many times have you heard people say, and I have, uh, I think Christine, Christine Ford uh, Lacely, I'm trying to remember her name, um, uh, I'm not trying to take political sides, James Kavanaugh side. This is all about what I'm talking about. But I remember people saying, well, she didn't even remember this or that or this or that. Well, that happens in trauma. People remember certain things and not certain other things. That's part of what makes things traumatic. Literally, trauma divides memory into its different parts. Cognition, image, emotion, sensation, and sometimes... People will remember parts of the memory and they won't remember other parts of the memory. 
So let me talk about the three different ways that uh, this happens. And I'll talk about it in a story too. another one. People have blamed the rape victim, for example. How come you didn't do anything? How come you didn't fight that person off? How come you just laid there and let it happen? That is not only incorrect, it's harmful, of course, it's harmful to the victim. But it's also not in line with understanding how people oftentimes respond to threat, especially traumatic threat. One of the ways people deal with threat and animals is to freeze. It's a neuroception. Remember, I said neuroception. It's a way of dealing with threat. It comes below the level of of conscious awareness, and our response to it is below the level of conscious awareness as well. So, a person who is getting sexually assaulted, for example, might unconsciously and automatically, without any choice, go into a freeze to survive. And it also, it's a way to shut down, numb, dissociate. Just like some people dissociate from certain memories they can't remember, because it's a way to unconsciously regulate this overwhelming, horrific experience that's happening to somebody. And so people will numb or dissociate. They will also, you know, there's something called big T, like a rape, big trauma. There's all like, sometimes some people grow up in a series of little traumas. traumas. It's like, They've been neglected in important ways over and over and over again. And oftentimes they might numb out to that and dissociate and not even experience it as a problem. It's a way of living. It's a way of getting by. So this is the lowest level. Uh, the Actually, the dorsal vagus part of the nerve is a vagal nerve that's involved in this. The dorsal vagus part of the nerve gets activated and numbs the person out or dissociates and that's how a person deals with it. A person who is going through, who's getting re-triggered in a PTSD experience, if you did a brain scan, you would see very little brain activity. It's just the way they deal with trauma so they can get through it. The next level of way of dealing people dealing with threat is the activating activation of the sympathetic nervous system. So where there's the activation of the dorsal vagal nerve that helps people freeze and close down, the sympathetic gets us fighting or flighting. So you could say that the first way is an immobilization defense. You defend by immobilizing. My wife and I were hiking, we were hiking real fast, and then this lizard just stopped and froze. And we walked over it and then it ran away. It was just stuck and it froze. Okay, that's the dorsal vagus. Then a little while later, another lizard I was, we were coming near it and it hurt us and just scooted away, right? Flight. That's where that part of the nervous system gets activated and moves or fights, but it's a mobilization. And a little while, I'm going to tell you how I do that sometimes, uh, help people in trauma uh, as they move up the ladder from one way of dealing with threat to the other, because there's more energy in fight or flight versus freeze, of course. Okay, so we'll get to that. The highest level, uh, maybe the most evolved way of dealing with threat is what's called social engagement or co-regulation. If you grew up in a family where there was opportunities to develop a nice secure relationship with your parent, that when you're stressed or angry at them even, you could talk it out, it might be easier for you to do this as an adult with a partner, where you could talk things out. 
So in my couples work, for example, I'm always trying to help couples get to the top of the ladder, the co-regulation part of the ladder. That's where the ventral vagal part of the, just a little neurobiology, the ventral vagal part of the nerve gets activated as opposed to when people freeze, it's the dorsal vagus. So you have the dorsal vagus, sympathetic nervous system, ventral vagus. And when it gets activated, it could, it, it literally puts a break on any fears or threats so they can engage. So we can engage despite fear and we can learn how to talk about things and share and learn how to deal with pain. It's what I do as a couples therapist all the time. Like I said, trying to get people to that level. But it's nobody's fault if they're stuck in one way of dealing with the threat or the other. And uh, it's oftentimes lots of factors that go into it. So let me tell, tell you how I might use polyvagal theory in helping a person deal with trauma. And it's so powerful. When I learned polyvagal theory, it gave me another avenue of which to work when I did some of my eye movement, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing with clients. So let's say a person went through a traumatic experience of being abused, physically abused, let's say, just to use that as an example. And they were little and the person that hit him was a much older brother and that person froze just to get through it. Oftentimes this person is plagued by feelings of powerlessness and guilt and shame that I didn't do anything about it. Just to realize that that little boy that was four, what could he do against the nine-year-old brother? The person I'm thinking had no parents around at home at the time when these things would happen on a consistent basis. So this is, this is, he gets stuck. He got stuck in the freeze mode, the, the dorsal vagus mode where he numbed out and he, he would tend to numb in his adult life. So what we did is we helped him access the part of him that could escape flight or punch fight. We actually were able to help them, him come up with other memories where he was able to do that and bring that in with him to the memory. You know, I get creative. I don't want to get to all that detail now. But ultimately what we did is we helped him as he reprocessed that memory, get out of it without being trapped. So we had another new experience of being mobilized as a defense as opposed to immobilized. So there's more energy there. Now we're helping him continue to go to the next ladder, the, the next stage of the ladder and how he deals with his wife. Uh, it, you know, right now at the moment, we, he's still content to freeze or flight better than he was, but uh, we're getting him to socially engage and it's starting to happen. And what happens to a person as they go up the ladder, they start to be able to call upon their healthy self, their healthy resources. So anyway, why I wanted to bring that up is that many people go around uh, faulting themselves for being for having been stuck in the freeze or even having been stuck in the fight or flight where they start to understand it was a way of dealing with threat. So it's a way to be kinder to ourselves and then begin to work towards moving up the ladder, the polyvagal ladder. And ultimately, like I say, when I'm working with people in their current relationships to get them to co-regulate, which really means that I can regulate myself enough so that I can listen to you and also share my feelings with you so you could regulate me so that 
there's a co-regulation. What happens with mothers and children, fathers and children, you know, if a child is scared, you help them go through it. But even as adults, we need that. We definitely need co-regulation and you can oftentimes uh, assess yourself where you might, what's your common, common way, you know, of dealing with threat and to assess that and see if you can get some help or maybe do it on your own, but oftentimes we need some assistance to help us uh, be able to go up the ladder, the polyvagal ladder. So I wanted to share that with you. I think it's a very powerful theory. You might find uh, it relatable to you in some situations and even Pat in the current, but even situations in the past and, and rethink it. Usually when people use this theory, they, they're a little more wiser and not so hard on themselves or others and, um, and healing takes place. So that's what I wanted to say today. This is Todd Krieger, making the world safe for love. That's it for today's episode of Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity Podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. For free resources and materials, head over to toddkrieger.com. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you.